If it's not the goat, then they're full of sheep. 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, 1033 The Goat, simulcast on 1420, the greatest sports talk of all time. Joining me now, as promised, from Locked On Pels, the daily podcast covering the Pelicans. He has been doing it for years. I know because I've listened to him for many years. Jake Madison, our guest. Now, Jake, how many how many seasons is this now heading into this one for you, covering the professional basketball team in New Orleans? years at this point being credentialed and covering the team and this will be year six of locked on pelican so it's been like close to 2,000 episodes or whatever the number ends up being holy cow man a dozen years 2,000 episodes that's awesome i mean i i follow this team since the day they moved there i remember being at loyola in college and cox asked some college kids to help with the camera crews and Kind of getting to carry the wires, but getting to be courtside of games, even though I was working and, and doing PA and for a preseason game back for the uh, the 0405 Hornets and then just following them through the ups and downs, a lot of downs. But, Jake, the uh, the excitement level is palpable. I, I've felt it a few times at a few little moments in issue with this franchise, but it, it feels different this year, doesn't it? I would imagine you – I mean – you probably know just from the listeners and the interest in your podcast. You have your hardcore fans, but it seems like there's a lot more people on board heading into this season, yeah? Yeah, definitely. This feels different than it's ever been before, and I think it's a combination of a young team that exceeded expectations last season. You also have a guy in Zion Williamson making his return after, as we saw last night, it's been over 500 days since he last played a competitive game. This team feels like it's built for the long haul. There's stability, too, with virtually every player being on a long-term contract. It makes it easy for people to buy in. When you put in, you know, factor in a head coach like Willie Green, who's really likable, this group plays with a certain style of ball that I think resonates with the city and this region a good bit. It makes people really want to pay attention, and I think the hype train's probably off the, off the rails right now after last night's win over the Chicago Bulls. Jake, before we... Uh... Move further on the Pelicans. I forgot to ask you, what's your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? <laughs> uh, it's got to be Sabotage. Also partially because of the music video being so funny, I think, with the fake cops and the mustaches and everything. It's classic. It's classic. It's classic. It works. There's really no other song quite like it in history. And uh, nothing wrong with that answer at all. It's one of the more popular ones, that and Fight for Your Right. But nothing wrong with that. I like it. Uh, gets you fired up. We talked about it. Folks are fired up for this season. You mentioned Zion. Let's start with him. From a national standpoint, the team gets covered differently with Zion than without. Even though we saw the turnaround last season, we followed it closely. Nationally, he just he's a he's a he's a hot. It's just a hot topic, right? Um, good, bad, and different. Whatever it might be, people talk about it and. When he's smiling and he's happy and he's healthy and he's showing the burst that he showed at times last night, then the coverage typically is good. And when he's not, it's overreaction. But let's 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 push the national media to side. From a local standpoint, what are some things that you really need and want to see out of Zion heading into the season? Aside from the obvious, which is you know, look, stay healthy. Yeah, that's the most important one, right? But I think what you wanted to see from him in last night's game, he absolutely showed you. 
two years ago when he was 20 years old, he made an all-star team and was probably a top five offensive talent in the league and a guy that no one really had any idea how to defend and stop and someone that kind of completely bent in defenses and opened up things for his teammates a whole lot. He averaged 27.7 rebounds during that stretch. You know, he was getting close to five, six assists per night when they went full on point Zion with him. You just need to get back to some of that. And I think you saw very much so that he is back last night, that he's healthy. He still has that quick first step, the explosive burst. I thought he was even jumping a little bit higher on some of the rebounds that he was getting when he was really going up for them. So you wanted just to see that that version of Zion, the all-star offensive player version of Zion was back. And I, I think that's already the case. We don't need to see any more from him in preseason. What I think shocked me so much with him last night, and if this carries over the regular season, uh, people are going to get even more excited, and the league probably needs to watch out. And that was what he did defensively, and it started with that chase-down block from behind. They called a goaltend, and I don't even care if the refs miss a call or not on that. The fact that he attempted to make a play like that and could make a play like that. That looked like Duke Zion where he was a menace defensively, but that's on a court that's spaced worse than an NBA court is. The three point line is closer. So players are, you know, more condensed closer to each other. It's easier to do that. We haven't seen that from Zion at the NBA level, but he was really active last night defensively. His arms were in the passing lanes. He grabbed a steal and forced another turnover if he's doing that and making some of those instinctual defensive plays that he made at Duke along with his offensive talent, you're looking at a guy that, if the Pelicans are winning, will absolutely be in the MVP conversation this season. To your point, Jake Madison, our guest, I mean, we, we just haven't seen that on the defensive end from him in the NBA. That collegiate block rate, that steal rate, it hasn't been there, but you know what? Having a personal trainer, having a personal chef, being in, quote, the best shape of, 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 of his life, end quote, uh, I think that that's the part of the game to me, and I'm with you, I'm glad you said it, that I want to see this year. Because I, I know that when he's healthy, I know what he can do offensively, and obviously if he's in better shape, he can, you know, he can do it at an even higher level. But defensively, that's the thing that hadn't translated yet in the 85 you know regular season games we've seen him in. Uh, to see that last night, to your point, was great. Let's let's take a look at a couple of the starters from last night. Herb Jones, unfortunately, uh, had that rib contusion. Glad it's preseason, so he'll be able to get it up. But you know, um, we saw him last year have a shot better than we thought. But we've also heard that he was just working with Fred Vinson, you know, religiously on that shot. And he, seeing him knock down those threes last night on several occasions, you know what he can do on defense. But if he can open up that part of his game, Jake, it just opens up the offense that much more and certainly his game. But uh, what is your expectation for Herb Jones on the offensive side of the ball this season? Yeah, you'd like to see him just continue to improve his three-point shot. I think if he became a slightly more consistent three-point shooter, he started off better than we thought and then kind of faded, I thought, at the end of last season. That's all you really need from him. You know, people are going to still, teams are still going to double Zion Williamson. They're going to look to take him away. You need shooters to make teams pay. There's very few players in the league who will actively space the court for Zion Williamson. Not when that guy scores at 70% at the rim. That's the equivalent of a 
plus percent shooter from three. So unless you're hitting 50% of your threes on high volume, teams are going to leave you open and they're going to double Zion if those are the two choices. So you need shooters to make teams pay when they do double Zion. And as one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league last season, that wouldn't work this year. So Herb Jones just getting his three-point shot a little bit more consistent, that's the way that he can really contribute to this offense on the first sort of level. And he opened the game by hitting that three last night, which was a welcome sight. He was pretty aggressive, though. And so if you can have him working off ball, and he does cut pretty well, and he can get to the rim, I think that just makes it a little bit easier, too. You're going to see a number of different guys handle the ball this year. You'll see Point Zion. You'll see C.J. McCollum be the point guard. And then you'll see Brandon Ingram also be the primary creator. So this gives other guys the opportunity to work around them, and I think that's what Herb Jones can do. When those guys have the ball and Herb Jones follows them on a cut and they pass the ball to him, yeah, take that shot because there's so many other threats. You're likely either going to be open or in one-on-one coverage, and if you believe in your shot you believe in what you're doing offensively, take it. It's probably going to be a, a good look for you. And so I think seeing that aggressiveness from Herb Jones, just adding another credible threat on there that you can't just completely ignore is going to do wonders for this team. And it's a big reason why they could be a top five offense this year. The second unit last night, Jake, a lot of cohesion. Some of that has to do with continuity. They kind of, you know, they've, they've played together before they worked out in the off season. I know it's preseason game one. I mean, Chicago looked pretty sloppy in the first half, but overall, and I, I know that, you know, Trey Murphy didn't play and, and Brandon Ingram, the starter, didn't play. And Kira Lewis is close to coming back, but not quite yet. But from the second unit you saw last night, I mean, it was kind of all thumbs up there for a while. Uh, you don't want to overreact to a preseason game, but you also, <laughs> I guess you'd prefer to see what they did last night instead of coming up, coming out and, and stinking up the joint because I thought the ball movement from the second unit was just fantastic. They, they were a wrecking ball for a little bit. That's why the Pelicans got out to a 19-point lead. It wasn't the starters. It was that second unit that came in there and played this kind of chaotic, fun style of basketball. They were really active defensively. They were getting stops, and then they were getting out in transition and running, and it was working, and the Chicago Bulls just couldn't keep up with them whatsoever. I don't know if that's going to be the most realistic thing we're going to be able to see from them during the regular season in the lack of Brandon Ingram probably played into the unit playing together too, because I do think you can at least keep one of, if not two of Zion BI and CJ McCollum out there on the court at all times. So I don't think you need like a true second unit like that necessarily when you can keep one of your star players out there. And once they got into the half court, they really did struggle, but if they can get out and give you five good minutes, I think if you're winning those minutes, you're going to be happy with that. You don't need your bench to outscore opponents, not at least with this kind of top-heavy lineup for New Orleans. You need your bench just to not lose you a lead and to play even with uh, opposing units. So if they can do that, that's, I think, a very big win for New Orleans. And those guys might have certain roles with that. You know, Jackson Hayes being an energy guy at the bench that gives everyone an outlet around the rim. Devontae Graham was running that offense very, very well, getting into mid-range, taking what the defense gave him and making that shot. You have Jose Alvarado, too, who just makes plays continually just makes plays. He was great there. Uh, again, I don't know if you'll see those lineups during the regular season. And that's also those, those were the lineups that started to lose the Pelicans, the game in the fourth quarter a little bit too, once Dyson Daniels was in there. 
But I think there's something there, and if maybe you kind of merge one of those second units like that with a guy like CJ out there for longer, that could lead to something special. Yeah, you, Jake Madison, our guest, is the great sketch at 103 through the GOAT. You just made a great point, Jake, that I was going to follow up with, but you already answered the question. I get asked a lot from folks that are interested in the Pelicans, hey, you know, where are they going to get scoring in the second unit consistently? And I'm like, if if the roster is healthy, you're not going to have, as you put it, sort of this entire second unit. When, with Now that Zion is there and you have McCollum and he's going to have a whole training camp and everything else, and obviously Ingram, you're going to scatter those minutes with the second unit. So, you know, yes, uh, if you just look at the bench as a whole, you could say, man, are you going to get consistent scoring? But that's just not how Willie Green's going to approach it. You know, knock on wood, unless he has to because of, you know, health reasons. So it was great to see that energy last night in the second unit scoring the way that, you know, that that's suitable for that those kind of players that were out there. But to your point, you know, in the regular season, it's not going to be like, all right, let's just, just throw the whole bench out there and let them just go and, and be high energy guys. They're going to mix and match. And, you know, I from a scoring standpoint – what what do you feel like the Pelicans need another score? Do you feel like they're going to have enough this season with the roster that they have in place right now? I don't think they do. I, I know a lot of people want to trade for someone like um, Jordan Clarkson from Utah and bring in like a, a true sixth man or something like that. And I just don't see the need to give up assets for a player like that because you have so much offensive potential here. I, I don't know how anyone stops this team, especially if a guy like Trey Murphy comes along to give you another three-point shooter, let alone a deep three-point shooter, which is what he's been doing in training camp, shooting from their four-point line on the court, which actually does space the court for Zion Williams in, in a regular season game, shooting from that far back. That's the type of uh, thing I think that can add to this team internally and don't need to go external for it. Look, you have Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum and a host of other good enough role players offensively, you're going to be able to score. BI is going to give you something like 24 points per game this season. Zion could go above 30 if everything goes right for him. And CJ's going to get you 20 and is going to get more wide open three point looks than he's ever had before. Their offense is not going to be a problem for this team. They should be a top five offense, if not the best offense in the league. There's that much talent here, I think. The concern for them is what will they look like defensively, which we talked a little bit about earlier. But offensively, they have more than enough firepower to be an elite offense in the NBA this season. Jake Madison, our guest. Dyson Daniels. Dan Daniels. I mean, we got to see him last night. And I don't know how big a part of the rotation he's going to be out of the gate. But I think he will be the one potential part of the rotation that's new. And I get that that Kira got hurt last year and Zion missed all those games. But the entire roster, for the most part, that you expect to see get minutes this year have been together in, in some way, shape, or form, with the exception of the young rookie who, you know, at 19, from a defensive standpoint, very polished. I mean, that, that's what stood out to me last night. And, yeah, you saw him late in the game with, um, you know, some guys that are on two-way contracts, some guys for both teams that, you know, frankly won't be on regular season rosters and will be G League guys. But even when he was out there, you know, earlier in the second half, when he was going up against starters, confidence wasn't rattled when he'd miss a shot, didn't seem, didn't seem frazzled at all. What did you make of, of Dyson Daniels' debut? And I'll ask you the follow-up now. How much a part of the rotation do you expect them to be at any point this season? 
Yeah, I thought he was good. I, he, he closed out the game and helped the Pelicans get this victory, which is not easy for a rookie to come in and do, let alone playing with, to be honest, you could call them a bunch of scrubs, right? Those are guys that are going to be on the Birmingham squadron, not playing in the NBA this season. And he still managed to scrape by and get the win with that group while leading them. I think that says a lot about him as a player. And as you mentioned, kind of the mental part, of everything. You know, he looked a little bit lost in the beginning, but then really quickly settled down. And it took him until late in his run, late in the second half for him to score his first point. It might've been in the fourth quarter. And I thought he'd scored a bunch already because he felt that impactful out there on the court. The defense was definitely there. You could see some of the passing, you know, at six, eight, and being a guard, he's got very good vision, being able to see over people. You saw that behind the back dish to Billy Hernan Gomez for a three at one point. That was what you want to see out of him. I, I wasn't worried about the shooting. We knew that that was going to be a work in progress for him. It seems like he knows that that's a work in progress too. So he just wanted to be able to impact the game in other ways. He definitely did that through leadership, passing defense too. And he said after the game, he said he's happy with how his debut went. I think that's the type of mentality you want him to have. Everyone's been raving about him in training camp. They feel that even though he seems like an odd man out to start the year, he'll be getting rotation minutes by the, uh, by the middle of the year. Whose minutes he takes, I don't know. There's kind of a premium on minutes right now. There's not a ton for people that are new to the team or trying to carve out a role, but it seems like it's going to be impossible to keep him off the court. Jake Madison, our guest, 44-and-a-half is the the over-under line on a lot of the various betting websites for the Pelicans. I'm not asking you to give people betting advice, Jake, because you know what? If you're trying to get it from me or you, I mean, I don't think you, you know, you're, you're a big gambler on the side. I could be wrong. I don't want to judge. I'm just, I don't want your thoughts on, on over-unders or plus minuses as far as payouts go. I just want your thoughts on this team and the expectation. 44 and a half. Is that a right? Is that is that the right number to shoot for? I mean, is this an over on? Are they better? You know, Thirty six and forty six last year. But if you watch the team like you and I do, we know how the season played out. We know the story behind why their record was what it was, and of course they surged late and got into the playoffs, and it was fun. Forty four and a half. You thinking over or under here? I feel like that's a little bit low. I felt that when the numbers came out originally, even before we saw Zion look like he did last night. And I remember when that number came out, a lot of people said, well, we need to wait and see Zion and how he looks. And Zion adds at least probably 12 wins to the team last year if he's fully healthy all season long. And that gets you to that 44, 45 number or so. So I think it's above that. And then you look at the internal growth from the team, the ability to improve on defense, that those type of things, you know, I, I think are going to win the Pelicans more games this year than what Vegas and odds makers are putting out there. But you also need to look at some of the deeper statistics after that CJ McCollum trade. They played 600 basketball when both CJ and Brandon Ingram started. B.I. missed some games after the CJ McCollum trade. And once they found their footing and integrated CJ a little bit, this team was good. And that's why they made it into the postseason. That's why they were able to give the Suns a run for their money in the first round. So it feels like that number should be a little bit higher, I think. But the, the problem is the West is tough. The West is really, really tough. So we can set expectations of closer to 50 wins, 48 wins, whatever you want. They don't control you know, what other teams are going to do in terms of their seeding. 
And I think that's what they're ultimately really looking at. They'd like to avoid the playing tournament, but might not because the West is so difficult. So setting expectations for this Pelicans team in terms of wins, in terms of seeding, it's kind of hard because the West is deep this year. Jake, the team is locked up lot of these guys for multiple years you know we, we whether it's Zion whether it's uh, Ingram whether it's CJ McCollum and Larry Nance who signed their extensions I mean they got Jonas this season and next and you've you've got uh, Jackson Hayes is you know he's in the last year of his rookie deal but overall when you look at that decision to lock up this core and and really roll with it and I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier is and I'm kind of with you I I don't think they need to go out and get a Clarkson. I think you. I think you've got some pieces in place, and you got Zion through the the twenty seven twenty eight season, CJ through twenty five twenty six, Dyson on his rookie deal through that long as well, Bi through twenty four twenty five, Nance through twenty four twenty five, Trey on a rookie deal through twenty four twenty five, Alvarado through twenty four twenty five, Jonas through twenty three twenty four, Herbs on a rookie deal through twenty three twenty four. I mean that's. Gomez as well, you know, Graham is signed through 24-25. Who knows if they'll be there that long or not. But, you know, everybody kind of, I say everybody. A lot of folks look at all those things and they start thinking about tradable numbers. And I'm like, look, man, with that luxury tax right there kind of in the shadows, paying your roster now, keeping it locked up, it says a lot about how they feel about it. Was that the right move, having all these guys locked up? I'm asking you today. The answer might change a few years from now. But, I liked it. I like that decision. Where are you at with their decision to make it a point to lock up a lot of these guys? I mean, that's 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 a lot of players in the rotation, Jake, that are under contract for a while. I, I, I don't I could look at every team in the NBA, but I don't think that's the norm when you start looking at all the other twenty nine teams. No, I, I think it was the right move. This is a team that made the postseason last year, and you add Zion back into the mix. And when you look at the complementary players they have, those are guys that fit around Zion really well. This has also been a place that isn't historically a big free agent destination. You're not going to clear cap space to make a run at guys. They tried to do this the other year. They tried to get Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul. They cleared out money. They were paying those guys more than what they signed for, and they still couldn't get him to come to New Orleans you got to lock up the guys that you have if they're good. And I think that was the smart move. It adds some stability to this team, um, some consistency to this team, something they really haven't had over the past four or five seasons. I think that goes a really long way. They believe in the coaching staff. They believe in their player development. If that's the case, they're going to end up being pretty good with a bunch of homegrown guys that fans have rooted for for a number of years. It makes it really easy to buy in and support a team like that. And I think that's what the Pelicans are really hoping to do. This team will get expensive. That's part of the problem of drafting well, that guys get extensions, they get paid more money, and it pushes you close to the luxury tax. So people might move on from now, or they might get traded just due to cost, which is unfortunate. But that's kind of how it goes in the NBA. But certainly right now, for where the Pelicans are positioned for this season and subsequent seasons, it seems like it was the right move. Jake Madison, our guest, lastly, I spoke about this last year during the playoff run. We'll see what happens this season. You know, the hardcores are going to be there the whole way. I think you'll have some more that kind of jumped on the wagon, pay attention earlier than they normally do. But I think a big key with this core, aside from the play on the court, which is obvious, is it feels like, Jake, from the outside, that that relationship with the fan base with this group has been built organically. 
right? It didn't feel, and I know that when Griff Griffin took over, executive VP of basketball operations, he talked about culture. He talked about bringing love in the building. He talked about what he wanted to build. And it took a few years, and they struck out with Van Gundy. It was a bad hire. But the culture he talked about so much on day one, it feels like it's finally there. And as a result, you know, for years, it was like these, this, this franchise would have a little pocket of success, but it always felt like this ticking clock. Like, well, now the stars are going to say, tell me why I need to stick around. And with this core, we talked about all the guys under contract, so the clock's not necessarily ticking. But it feels like they're, they're kind of in on, let's, let's keep building this thing together instead of, man, give me a reason why I need to stick around. And as a result, I think, you know, the fan base, New Orleans, South Louisiana in general, those that are sports fans, like they've, they, they, they've, they know the history of this franchise, whether they know it well or not. They kind of know the history, at least from the superstar standpoint of it. And it's turned some folks sour. And it feels like that's finally turned. And that's why this pocket of success, to me, feels like it's sustainable, not just for the team on the floor, but to really keep and continue to grow this fan base because they're building it a certain way. The guys in the locker room have bought in. And as a result, I think a lot of fans have bought in as well because it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel fake. And when you build it organically from a fan team relationship standpoint, that has staying power, man. And I and I think that's a big part of not just to play on the floor, but why fans are so excited about the team going into this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, this team is kind of representative of New Orleans and the Gulf South region overall, I think. And it's that culture that, as you mentioned, David Griffin has been trying to build for a number of years, has has missed a lot on achieving that, but has finally gotten it right. And when it works, it really works, as you saw. I also think you, you find these type of players that resonate with the city. Jose Alvarado being a very big underdog story. Same for Herb Jones, a guy that was taken in the second round, should not be having the sort of success that he has, and yet look at him and how impactful he is as a defender and hopefully an offensive player this season. You have Brandon Ingram, who's a superstar, that just wants to play basketball and seems to really like it here and has embraced you know, the city and the region as well. And then you have Zion just being the box office draw. And so it's a young team with a lot of compelling stories that people can really kind of attach themselves to and they're winning. And I think that's a real big part of it too. So winning basketball with a bunch of likable dudes, yeah, you're going to get people to really buy in. I think it also probably helps to a degree that the Saints are struggling, to put it kindly, this year right now. People are going to be paying more attention to this. And it just feels like there's a lot of untapped potential with this Pelicans team. They did what last year and didn't have Zion? And you're going to add him into the mix. That's the type of thing that's going to get people excited. So I think you're going to see more sellouts early on in the year in the Smoothie King Center. You know, I think you'll see this team be kind of the top of the town in the, in the region a whole lot more than they normally would be. We're not going to be waiting until Christmas Day to really focus on basketball. I think this could really be a year that the Pelicans are kind of center stage for a lot of people. Jake Madison has been our guest at Nola Jake on Twitter. The Locked On Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Network. Uh, Jake's been hosting it for many years. He's been covering the team for a dozen years. And uh, I've listened to his pod over the years. I enjoy it. He brings it. At Nola Jake on Twitter. Jake, man, it's been a while since I've had you on the show, brother. But I appreciate you uh, getting up this morning, talking some Pels with me, and look forward to this season. And uh, look forward to talking Pels with you more in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Scott. You got it. That is Jake Madison, guys. Go give him a follow.